Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Selling your car on Cars.com is so easy. It's like the dealer is in your own backyard. It's all done in three simple steps. One, enter your car's details to get the best offer instantly. Two, Confirm with a local dealer. And three, receive a check on the spot or use the value to trade in your car. Cars.com. It's magical. Click or tap to sell your car on Cars.com today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first of the Hidden People commentary series for episode one of season one. I'm Chris Burnside, lead writer and director and producer of the show. And joining me are... Your voice is so soothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. This is uh, Jordan Lopez, producer and uh, actor? Actress. I play McKenna. This is Sean Gunther. I am the storyteller. Megan Burnside. I'm also an executive producer and director. Uh, Carrie Zahn, writer for season one. And Katie Seaton, composer and sound designer. Woo! Excellent. Well, thanks, everybody. So a word of warning, we're going to be discussing spoilers for the series during this conversation and during all of the commentary episodes. So if you haven't heard the whole series, you should probably go listen to the whole series first and then come back and check out the commentary while we talk about the episodes and how we made them, Uh, give you some behind the scenes stuff and whatnot, and probably a lot of general silliness. This episode will be available to everyone, but the rest of the commentary series for all 22 episodes of season one will be available only to patrons on Patreon uh, at the bonus audio level. So if you want to get the rest of the series and listen to a lot more of the silliness, then you should go on to Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash hidden people podcast and join us there to get um, the bonus episodes that we've already released for the show, and then all of this commentary series as well as we wait for season two. All right, so we're going to begin discussing episode one of the first season. All right, well, this is Sean Gunther again. I play the narrator, and I'm the first first voice you hear. And I kind of wanted to go over the um, the differences between our audition pieces and where the characters actually ended up. I know from my... My audition piece was this very first scene, and I was surprised by how what I what I got from just the the me script, and then at the end of production, it was significantly different. So, in what I, ways was it different? <clears throat> uh, we, we started off. I started off reading that script like it was like um, it was the the voice on your shoulder, the 
the conscience, not the good conscience, right? The uh, the little devil speaking and whispering into your ear. But uh, as as we go along, I mean, first thing you you find out it's a real character. It's just set up right there, first thing. I wasn't prepared for that. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Everyone should have a small little Sean Gunther on their shoulder. <laughs> Egging you on. Times. I don't know that I want to Criticizing to you? Yeah, always. Really, <laughs> just be constantly criticizing you, maybe talking about your impending death. <laughs> or, or the people around you who are just not going to make it. Thanks, <laughs> Sean. I love it. Well, and what's interesting about that opening scene is that when you auditioned for it, it was only the storyteller's parts. Alder Neve not only wasn't in the the script at the time, didn't exist in the show. We had only written, I think, the first half of season one when we did these early auditions for just the the core characters, um, the series, the the ones who would become the series regulars. And Alderneve not only wasn't in the script, but didn't exist. We hadn't discussed Alderneve, and it was only in writing episodes eleven and twelve, the mid season, that. I kind of came up with Alderneve and realized that we needed someone for the storyteller to talk to, to really sell the courtroom aspect of what was happening in that scene, even though most of what's happening in that scene is, is um, very uh, vague and intentionally kind of obfuscated. But once we added Alderneve, we went back and I actually rewrote that opening scene so that most of your parts are the same, but now it's a conversation. It's not just a monologue. Uh, and, and part of that was also that, we had um, done uh, a monologue with, uh, we had opened Unwritten with a monologue, our, our previous show. And what we found is that some listeners were only listening to one minute of the show and then deciding that it was an audiobook uh, and never yeah. listening to the rest of it to hear that we actually had a cast of over 30 people. Um, but they just heard one minute and said, oh, there's only one person that's ever going to talk and they turned it off forever. So we decided that opening with another monologue might not have been the right call. True. And it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And, and one other thing about the opening scene is the introduction of the sound effect to the voice. And I don't know mm-hmm. who wants to talk about that, but Please there me. was an effect <laughs> that was put on. You have words? <laughs> you have words? Uh, we got a lot of listener feedback. Was it in reviews? Yeah, a couple of reviews. A couple of reviews of people saying, something wrong with my headphones? Does everyone hear that echo? Blah, 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 blah. So we added the warning. <laughs> I mean, how long in did we add the warning? Was it a month after I we released it? I didn't even know that that warning was added in until I re-listened last night yeah. to oh, prepare yeah. for this. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is new. We are like, well, we're going to put in a warning real quick. Just saying, hey, the effect is necessary. There's a reason for it. And it'll be... Uh, shown in the mid-season finale as to why mm-hmm. um do you, did you see a rise in our numbers at all or uh, listening uh listener numbers lasted longer uh well we have gotten better conversion as we've gone mm-hmm. along through the season i don't know like from episode one to episode two uh, historically in podcasts there is always a big drop between the first episode and the second episode sure. um and we have seen that improve. I don't know if it's our, our message or not. We've seen less comments online about it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen anyone saying, you know, there's something wrong with your microphones. Right. Yeah, because we um, had that in the, at the beginning. And I know I was on some Facebook message groups. And I'm like, no, no, no. 
process, just listen past that. Listen past five minutes, and you'll hear the rest of the cast and what they sound like. It is intentional. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting. But it is also, like, the sound effect itself was a pretty tedious process when we were first putting it out, right? Yes. Oh, we went through so many versions of the... So that sound effect, what we call it uh, with the producers, we call it the Hidden People Accent. Um, we Before we even sat down to do the audio, we spent a long time figuring out, okay, well, what do the Hidden People sound like? Do they have an accent? Since they're based on this sort of like English and Celtic and Norse mythology that we're sort of all mashing together, do they have an accent that's part of one of those regions? But we couldn't decide on one of those regions, for one thing. Um, and for another thing, there was another reason why we didn't do like were real world accents for the characters. Um, I don't know, Jordan, do you want to weigh in on that? Why is I mean, that, Jordan? I mean, I'm <laughs> why? so good at accents. Let's hear one right now. Uh, yeah. Let's Australian? There's actually a good warning on the Discord. If anyone's not on it, you need to get on it, where I explain that my accents are so good, it'll blow your mind. So we tend to yeah. save our uh, listeners from having to listen to that because I don't want to blow... We don't want to blow people's minds. No, like, we no, don't want no, people no, to no. think this podcast is good yeah <laughs> no i'm not good at accents but also i i imagine that it takes our um auditioner pool down a little bit right like it totally true. does <laughs> trying to make sure yes. we can get everybody that can get a decent accent that sounds similar so we can all say they're from the same dialect mm -hmm. uh so yeah i'm glad we didn't do that because I wouldn't be here. <laughs> if, if we had if we had done like say everyone should have an Icelandic accent because that's where the phrase the hidden people comes mm -hmm. from, that would have been really hard. Yep. And since the only cast member we had from day day zero really before we even really knew what we were doing was Jordan, we knew that we had to make it work. And so that was why we decided to not go with real world accents. Um, you you can't see I'm doing air quotes, but obviously you can't see that. Uh, but real world accents. So we wanted to come up with something else and that's when we decided to do a, an actual effect on the voice mm -hmm. that would be their accent. And that is why, for example, certain characters like, like Fack that grew up in Arcadia have that effect even though she's human mm -hmm. um, because that's the accent that she picked up. And, uh, you know, doesn't have the, the, I guess, earth accent. So we went through a lot of variations of it uh, we so <laughs> we tried so many different versions, and most of them honestly sounded so cool, but were so obtrusive. And anyone talking for more than two sentences with that effect would just be so difficult to listen to. Even though it was really neat, it'd be like listening to the Voth all the time. No, thank you. Which the Voth is cool mm -hmm. for those few lines, but like if everyone talked like that, like if the storyteller talked like that through the whole show. Wow, that would be very difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Dan Dan Sievers, our audio engineer, is the one that helped us to come up with the accent. And I know he played so many or applied so many different effects, reverb. Uh, I don't even know all of the effects that he had, but it was a very interesting process. And we found out that applying that effect to men versus women was also very different. Um, so the men we oftentimes take them down a little bit deeper but for the women when we took them down deeper it sounded really weird and really wrong so what he did was he kind of tailored the effect to the person just to make it 
sound like they have an accent, but not take it too far. For however many Hidden People characters we have, that's how many different, slightly nuanced mm -hmm. vocal effects we have. Because yeah. everyone has one that's kind of built for them. Yeah. But yeah, it was very interesting. Katie, from a sound standpoint, did that, did the audio effects change your way of thinking? Did they change the way you had to do the effects? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Um, I mean, because um, the accent that you chose and you ended up pitching them down, that sort of changes what goes on around them a little bit. Only when it gets really busy um, in the scenes where there's a lot of action. You know, um, had I had Sean's voice given to me as it came out and then the effect was applied at the end during the mixing stage, that might have affected what I did because I'd have tried to sort of make sure that the frequencies around that voice were sort of clear to allow him to come through. And then obviously if you're pitching it down, that might have messed up that process. So, yeah, it does change it a little bit. Um, it tends to, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what Dan did, in fact, to create that effect, but it kind of cuts through quite a lot, doesn't it? So um, it, it, it tends to be quite loud when the, when the narrator's talking. So that makes a difference as well because you have less room for the big bangs and stuff. Did you end up having to do any anything different for voices depending on, like, the setting they were in? Like, we start off in the courtroom and then we go to the music shop. Does that also affect how you process voices? Yeah, for sure. Um, I tend to create spaces um, for each scene. And the very first thing I did actually was in your opening monologue, create a big echoey courtroom space, which is where I imagined it was happening. And straight away, Chris said, don't do that. There's already loads of reverb on it. It's too much. So <laughs> that came off again. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah. Uh, also, Katie, prior to um, processing episode one, you were playing around with different musical themes. So how did what was yeah. your thought process with that? Oh, such a long time. It's a year ago now. Um, so um, we had a, an initial conversation and you were talking about um, drawing from traditional folk music from the places um, that you drew your folklore from. So um, like Ireland and Scandinavia came up and um, UK as well. And um, so, I mean, the first thing I did was just listen to sort of traditional music from those places and just come up with ideas that married those kinds of sounds with, you know, what I'd taken from the story, having read through the story. Um, and then we had like a bit of to and fro, didn't we, where we sort of said, OK, no, it needs to be darker and, you know, we need a little bit more modern for the sort of for the opening um, section of the story where it's all set basically in sort of modern urban place. Um, so adapted to that. But I have to say, actually, most of those initial ideas um, did end up being used more or less, I think, in the end, um, one way or another. I've ended up with about 15 or 16 different bits of musical material married to, like, themes and characters in the story. Um, and, you know, most of what I do, not always, sometimes there's something which just has to be written from scratch, but most of what I do is drawing on that and using it to sort of express whatever the character or th that thing in the story is doing at that time. Um, yeah. Do you guys now, after working for a year together, do your ideas vibe quicker or do you still have a back and forth? Um, I mean, I would have to say it's the, it's normally, it normally feels like I know what 
you want. I think I, I suppose I got used to this. You know what, what you're going, what you're asking for, um, which is the idea, right? As a composer and sound designer, you sort of you have to try and get to know what is needed for any particular project. Um, so I anticipate that. So we're obviously coming at you from uh, past the end of the season, and I wonder, as writers, um, we we did a thing that I had previously heard about from Donald Sutherland, where he doesn't start a movie in the at the beginning of a movie. He, he prefers to start it somewhere in the middle, and then go back and shoot the beginning of his movies at, at the end after everybody's got used to working together. Everybody gelled. They they sort of have established their relationships and really any good stories about their relationship. Um, so you, you guys chose to start your story in the music and the, the relationship stories really in the uh, music shop. Was there impetus behind that or just, just happened that way? Um, I think that, well, so the, I have to really think back very far. Because the the bones of the Hidden People story, while we wrote the Hidden People in what 2018 is that when we wrote it or 17 we started in 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I wrote a screenplay called Fetch, which is the basis of the entire story in 2012, I think. So uh, it actually begins now. It begins with the murders. But which we actually end the first episode with the murders instead, and that one began with them. But otherwise, the first scene after that was the music, the music shop. Now, the difference is that we in that story, most of the characters were very different, and a lot of them didn't exist at all. Like Alfie didn't exist. There was a character named Nissa, but she wasn't like Nissa at all. Um, Thomas did not exist. There was no sibling. Uh, so. It was a much more stripped-down version, but that began the music shop, and I think that's kind of why I started this one there, just out of, I don't know, familiarity with that. But talking about narratively, we want to go into the space that is the most comfortable for McKenna and before we rip her out of it. And that is the only space. She's not comfortable at home at all because of her family not being her real family and not being something she chose. So the music shop is at least a place that she chooses. She chose those people to be her friends. She chose to work there. Not that she really wants to work there or even necessarily is the best friend in the world, but (laughs) it's the closest thing to comfort in her life. And since we're about to rip her out of it, we need to see her comfortable for just a little bit. And we spend so much time in the first half of season one before we get to the real, what the show really is, right? A fantasy adventure. Um, before we get to that, we spent so much time in the real world leading up to it. We didn't want to spend even more time showing her normal life because we already spend so many hours in the real world, which once we leave it, we don't really go back, uh, that we didn't want to drag it out too long. So that little bit, that little exchange, which is, we never have another exchange that comfortable in the rest of the show where they're just goofing around and being silly about like movies and stuff. That was supposed to show this is what life has been like for 27 years, and it's all about to change. I think a big part of that, too, from a writing standpoint, like for me, coming up with this story the way we were going to tell it is 
you know, I think in general, like, with D- our DWM projects, we don't necessarily try to write the most likable main characters. What? Um, <laughs> but I do think, you know, for me, there needed to be something for you to latch onto to understand. <laughs> understand is probably a heavy word. I don't know that any of us really come to fully understand Mac, but at least see, like you were saying, a glimpse into her world. But, um, you know, I think even from episode one we're already kind of setting up this um almost impossible case where like you think Mac killed her parents and we don't have any kind of setup um until the very end of the episode to suggest that there's any kind of otherworldly thing that could make that not possible so I think having those sort of organic interactions between the characters and showing like there are people Mac cares about in whatever way she does that um really allows you to have at least some suspension of disbelief to continue to watch this story um, or listen to the story. There's nothing you're watching except probably like your wall when you're sitting there listening to the story. I don't know what you do, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I think that was really important was to kind of set up some reason for you to keep listening instead of it being this kind of weird, like, why are we getting a glimpse into this murderer and kind of giving you a space to believe that there's somewhere else the story can go. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox bringing us closer in Cox serviceable areas speeds vary and are not guaranteed Cox terms apply other restrictions may apply some sense of normalcy totally yeah yeah for sure so we ended up doing the first episode twice right once at the beginning once at the end we did yeah um that was another thing we learned from unwritten is that I mean, if you record chronologically, which we sort of do, I mean, we definitely record each episode out of sequence individually, and we do sometimes record episodes entirely out of sequence. But we kind of chronologically go through it, because when you're rehearsing, I think it's a lot easier to hear it, um, the story unfold in order, because from a from directing narratively, that, part, that side of directing, I'm thinking about things like... Um, does the story flow? Is there a thing we forgot that maybe we knew, but we didn't actually say to the audience ever, mm-hmm. and we won't notice mm-hmm. it unless we hear the story unfold in real time chronologically. So we kind of go chronologically, but what that means is that we're going to end up with our best, most comfortable performances at the end. And the episode that the most people are going to hear, the one that's going to tell them whether they should listen to the show, is the first one. So our, we very intentionally recorded, re-recorded the first episode at the end. So we did it the first time, normally. And there are actually takes from that very first recording in the actual, like, released first episode. But we then went back in and re-recorded the first one to get, you know, to try to get everybody really in their characters. They know exactly how they behave and whatnot. And I think we got, you know ultimately better performances that way we did uh mac was almost 100 percent different yes that was probably the biggest thing it was easily the biggest yeah it it just i I don't know when we first did mac i even from day zero like you said no one will understand her 
I will never understand Mac. I'm still getting used to it. Um, <laughs> but I sounded more... Mac sounded more concerned when she found out that her parents were murdered. Whereas the new version, the version we released, she does not give a shit about it. <laughs> like, but that was the whole point. That's what we wanted in the first place, but we didn't... I mean, at the time, we didn't know that's what we wanted or what we needed. Um, I talked about this at the, our finale party about having those levels of boring, doesn't care Mac to fighting badass Mac and it only gets bigger in season two in that we wouldn't have those levels if we hadn't gone back and re-recorded. Yeah, yeah, that, that it changed really dramatically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the just level of apathy <laughs> you know, it's so was, bad. was ratcheted up uh, so much. I was listening to it. I was like, oh man, I forgot how... <laughs> bad it was just how blah (laughs) just like have you guys ever made a cake or cookies or baked and at all and then you forgot an ingredient so it never rose and it just is a pile of mush that is mac (laughs) well like one through four almost it's just (laughs) so when people ask to describe Mac, I'm now going to say unrisen cake. Yeah, she's unrisen, unrisen just like, cake. You just could bleh. just bleh. That, is, that is Mac, early Mac. No, I totally agree. I was listening to the first two again, and I, I found myself sort of getting angry at the lack of response. Yeah, and that's a, you know, I'm sure that's something you were going for. Oh, right? that was entirely intentional yes. because we want. Obviously, if you listened, if you especially if you've listened along the way, and you've listened every two weeks mm-hmm. for. 44 weeks to the show, you're probably going to forget how radically different Mac was at the beginning than how she is at the end. But if you go back and listen, it's a different person. And that was entirely intentional. Um, It it was intentional in the writing. It was intentional in Jordan's performance. And uh, we really wanted a transformation because the show, the story, especially at least in season one is about identity. It's about finding out who you are. It's about feeling like in your life, in your family, in your own skin, that you are not, you do not feel right. Something is off and you don't know what it is, but you feel like you're not the person that everybody else thinks you are and that everyone has told you you are. And a lot of people experience that. For Mac, it's quite literal. She is quite literally not the person she thought she was, not part of her family. And she's representing that that quest for identity and when she finds it at least when she thinks she finds it it dramatically changes her and of course based on the things that happen throughout the series and and especially in the finale it's going to dramatically change her again and going into season two we're going to see yet another kind of different mac as she now really settles into this is really, really who I am. And now I have this, this really strong sense of identity. Um, the identity theme, it, it doesn't go away. Cause I think it's, it's expressed in different ways through different characters, yeah. but it's definitely less of a theme in season two, um, which I think has, has themes more along the lines of responsibility and, and power, but we'll, you'll hear <laughs> that when we get there. <laughs> I think, too, it's interesting because there's so much behind whatever you want to call the unrisen cake, but like... <laughs> the blub. Yeah, the blub. <laughs> but it's so 
not express through Mac because I don't even think that she really knows that that's how she feels. Like, I don't think she Mm. can, like, understand that there's, like, a missing ingredient there if we're going along with that metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's sticking. Yeah. Definitely keeping it. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that's, you know, because there's such a lack of explanation there that, like, you know, we really get to see throughout the show. Like, in that first episode, I think it really also helps portray Thomas's character and is such a testament to his patience because I would have <laughs> taken her by the shoulders and shaken her and been like, our parents are dead, like, can you try to care a little? Mm-hmm. But he's just like, I forget if it's in episode one or two, but he's like, everyone processes in their own way and that's okay. <laughs> like, he's such a little golden retriever. That he's just gonna oh, be like... It hurts yeah. me sometimes, especially listen back. Like, Thomas, bruh, wake <laughs> up. She is the worst yeah. person. Yeah. But nobody's the worst person to Thomas. Like, especially not his sister. Yeah. Not even, like, down the line when his sister is potentially not his sister, and then he may have more than one sister, and... And she tries to murder him. And he's like, but she's my sister. <laughs> if we didn't have Thomas, I don't think Mac would still be with the family. Yeah. And she would have been left on a doorstep a long time ago. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Not just in a basement. Like, yeah. you're gone. Yeah, goodbye. Yeah. So that metaphor, the, uh, the cake metaphor, we're going to need some fans to uh, post the ingredients and, and do some research. <laughs> it's going to have to be bitter... It's gonna have to be sort of flat. Does that explain Bland. the cake from yeah. episode eight? That's kind of oh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Mac made her own personality right yeah. there. Yeah. Blah, blah. <laughs> um, it's funny you bring up Thomas. I had so I was looking through my old scripts just to kind of get an idea of where my headspace was at, and. In I believe it's when we're in the car, or Thomas and Mac are in the car, and he's telling her like they were killed. And I, the line is, this is ridiculous. I just saw them last night. I was at the house until this morning, which almost sounds like denial, right? What I wrote was unbelievable. Like Thomas is a liar. (laughs) (laughs) Like of all people, Thomas is definitely not a liar, but the line comes out like, you're an idiot. Yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. Well, stupid. I saw them last night. Yeah. (laughs) Well, stupid. It's been almost 24 hours. They're dead. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite scenes in this episode, just from a sound design point as well, because like the music leading up to that scene really sets it up. And then like Katie goes into detail to the point of like the turn signals on Mm -hmm. and then you hear like the engine rev as they're like, you're there, you're in the backseat, like with this weird family, like, why am I here? I don't know, but I'm there because like this was just created for me. I, I just think that was really cool. Yeah. so interesting listening to you talk about all this stuff because I sort of recognise what you're saying as writers and performers in retrospect um, I think Mac for me was she was kind of almost like a silhouette like you saw her through everything else that was happening but you couldn't actually see the core of her properly um, and so when I was composing her I sort of I wrote that really simple tune which it was a bit depressed sounding um, and a bit flat and I had this idea having read through the season that obviously more energy would be injected as as we went along and you know um, but I wasn't quite sure how that was going to happen because I didn't listen to how you did it and you know I only got the episodes one by one so um it was yeah I, I found it quite um I didn't find her very satisfying to compose for <laughs> you know because there was <laughs> blah, blah. Yeah. She was, it was Blair. There was, <laughs> she kind of didn't have any music. 
I liked using that um, bit of beatboxing I used because um, it sort of felt like it's like there's almost a voice there, but it's not. It's just air, you know, so there's a personality at the core of this music somewhere. I, I overthink everything. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, absolutely. Um, sort of melding that with the surroundings of where they are was um, something I was doing intentionally as well, like trying to feed in like the drone in the music into the drone in the car and stuff like that. So like the inner world and the outer world were all kind of one thing. Um, and we were sort of like trying to get in there into the sort of silhouette, into the blur. <laughs> yeah. Into the blur. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad Stephen's not around for me to ask this, but did you compose themes for specific characters? Do you have yeah. themes? Is Stephen's like a 70s disco theme? You mean Sorry, Stephen, do you mean? Stephen Gogol. 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 Alfie. Yes. Alfie. All right, so Alfie and Nissa um, have joint music. Um which is sort of that little sort of not very serious detective tune. Yeah, I love music. it. <laughs> yeah. And that gets to, that's probably the one, apart from Max tune, that's the one that gets developed the most, actually, because they sort of go through, it started off being comical, but obviously they go through situations where you can't be comical. So I ended up doing quite a lot to it, sort of episodes nine and ten, where there's a lot of tense and anxious. They think their friend might be a murderer. And so it, it kind of, it has to take quite a different tone. I was able to pick that up in the final episode, actually, as well. As they, were, as they were worrying about her. Um, and yeah, when they go, go into all the magic stuff, yeah, I can sort of put all the little flutes in and stuff like that. Yes, it's really fun tune because you can sort of do quite a lot with it. Um, yeah. So did you, like for uh, for Mac and... Um, uh, Thomas. No. Shaylee, there it is. For <laughs> Mac and Shaylee, did they have their own tunes, their own um, themes? Um, they They have a friendship tune, yeah. Um, so my... Shelly has her own tune and Mac has her own tune and they have a friendship tune. <laughs> air quotes. There's air quotes flying around the table. Just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> For those Super what? What does that mean? Yeah. Okay, well, go. they do get on really well, though. They do. They do. Yeah. They hit it off. But we're not there yet in episode one. No. But back to episode one real quick. Um, you did a lot of interesting work that sets up the rest of the season with episode one. So you have, for instance, the piano playing in the music store. Oh, yeah. That original song. And that kind of returns when you go back to the music store, which I, I love that song. Um, and was that an original song that you wrote? Yeah, that was. Yeah. It was so Yeah, cool. I think the only non-original thing in the whole of season one is um, the Claire de Lune. Um, in the funeral, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about the murder? I and mean, the murder—that's a big <laughs> well, yes. thing. And, and and there's some so- sounds in that that repeat later on in in the season as well. Yes, with the big dogs. I'm I'm interested mm. in how we get the sounds of those terrifying dogs. <laughs> I don't like to call them dogs. I just pretend they're something else. I Puppies. know they're dogs. No, no, like <laughs> bears or something that I don't mind dying sometimes. Kate, monster dog. So, Explain possums. the monster dog noises. So they're me. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Um, yeah, I actually, when I knew I was going to come on this call and chat to you about this, I dug out the file of me doing the growls before I'd done the thing in the computer to make them sound like dogs. Yes. Yes. Play it. It's, cr- it's 
quite well I don't know if I can play it over the Skype but I'll send it to you it's very embarrassing <laughs> play it please <laughs> I love it Patreon content. Yeah, that's right. Honestly, so in the end yeah in the end I just did it myself um I made the noise that I thought they ought to make with my own voice um so I pitched you pitch them down um then add a bit of saturation um in sort of the bass frequencies which like it sort of brings out the harmonics like the um the parts of the sound which are sort of higher um to sort of make it more penetrating um and then like fiddled around just like boosting certain frequencies and then add a bit of compression so like sort of made it more even and louder i think that's basically what i did i i used a bass enhancer at one point um but i've um i've basically had a bit of an argument with the supplier who um makes that one so i've sort of gone to fit a peak and boycotted them now so <laughs> um <laughs> yeah yeah, it's, just, it's basically just making them bassier and more big sounding. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, this has yeah. come up a couple of times now in, in what uh, in what she said about direction. But I very frequently this is my direction to everyone. Can we go darker? <laughs> <laughs> Actors, you, musicians, no. composer doesn't matter. Can, can, can we can we try that? But like darker, like more sinister, yeah. more evil. That's a very frequent uh, note that I give to basically everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The last year's been a journey. I started off being ever so subtle and eventually realized it was pointless. <laughs> <laughs> Subtlety is not in my repertoire. So <laughs> I wouldn't say the no, writing is subtle. Uh, gave me permission to do the fun that I wanted to do. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Speaking of song. We we have our theme song. Oh yeah, yeah, the theme song. Um, the theme song came to us from Michael Yates, uh, a guitarist local to the area. Um, he is a wonderful singer and guitar player and songwriter. He worked with us on the unwritten musical. He wrote all the guitar parts for the songs as well as the entire song Omniscient, um, which Sean got to sing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> guitar solo. Sean, I found my music book from Unwritten while I was looking for my scripts. I was oh. like, "What is this?" Oh, oh my god, I found all our music. I should have brought it. That is awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so Michael wrote uh, a song called "Morning's End," and a portion of that song is our theme song, um, which he tailored to the show specifically. I told him that I wanted, based on where the origins of the folklore from um a lot of that comes from scandinavia and we draw on those sort of influences in the narrative um and uh, i thought that the sound of the show especially the fact that it became this like big actiony show wanted a kind of rock metal vibe so i said i want scandinavian like gothic scandinavian metal like nightwish or one of those sorts of bands and that's what he ran with, uh, with that direction when he did it. So 
it's not just that we thought it would sound cool. It's that it actually has um, a component to it that matches elements of the story and, and fits in there. And so that's, that's where he came up with that. And then uh, Jordan and Michael sang it and Michael did all of the instrumentation for it. Um, so yeah, that's where we got the theme song. Um, but it's also possible that going forward that different seasons might try different theme songs that might match the content of that season. So um, it's, it's possible that that may happen in the future. We're bringing back omniscient. Exactly. That's really what we're doing. We're just bringing back omniscient. Um, Go listen to Unwritten if you have no idea what we're talking about. It's absolutely worth it. Yes. Hearing, hearing Sean ad lib very important lines in that song. That were not in the original song. You're never going to hear scones referred to in a heavy metal. <laughs> oh, yes. Is that right? I didn't even think about that. Scones. I thought that's why scones. I made scones this morning. Oh, man. <laughs> that's totally why I made scones. Um, I also want to do a shout out to uh, Jenny Holly and David Senator, who played McKenna's parents and um, McKenna and Thomas's parents. Um, what was really funny when David came in and was reading his lines, he's like, I die. I die right at the end. In my first scene. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. But you're going to be in it more. Um, yeah. We, we, yeah. Later on in the season, we have a, uh, some flashbacks, but, um, but he did such an amazing job and Jenny did an amazing job and it was, mm. you know, a perfect end to the first episode. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's intentionally kind of shocking, and I like how brutal it ends yeah. up sounding with all the sound. Um, mm. Gets really brutal, and uh, I, I I don't want to shy away from that kind of stuff because yeah. I like the intensity. Yeah, um, I, I like the I like the dynamic intensity. So I like to kind of keep things subtle and chill, and then all of a sudden something really explosive and uh, and heavy. And yeah, that scene is really brutal. Uh, in the script, the very last line is Paige Thorne, uh, their mom. Her line is, bloody gurgles. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. Yeah, subtle. I like it. This is, I'm, I told you, I don't really, I don't do subtle so much, but like I can, I can take down the intensity a little bit and then I can raise it a little bit. Yeah. Bloody gurgles, um, which are really fun to record, but. (laughs) I can't think of a better way to end an episode. You know what? If Katie's going to put out her growling track, we might have to do our grunt track. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly later. Oh, like the fight track? Yeah, the fight track. The oh. fight, fight track. There's more air quotes happening right yeah. now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to mention this before we finished up the first episode, just a little bit about our process and how we do this. Because I know like, there's always discussion in podcast groups, especially audio drama groups, about how do you make these things? How do people actually put them together? And what I've learned from looking at those is that a lot of shows, and I, I might want to say most shows – record everything remotely where no one is ever in the same room and at each, the same time. At the same time. Yeah. And the, the performers are all sending their solitary recordings and sometimes they'll rehearse over Skype or whatever, but they're sending solitary recordings and the director is may, maybe going back and saying, okay, try it again, but this way. And then they're kind of matching them together. And that's how a lot of them are made uh, for, for logistical reasons. Um, but we, when we made unwritten, we decided that we wanted to really take advantage of 
the the arts community in the city, which is why the company's called Dayton Writers Movement. So the arts community of Dayton, and we do everything, nearly everything live <laughs> in the room with everyone together. So when we rehearse, everyone is around the table physically. And when we record, same thing. And uh, it's very rare that we have anyone recorded out. Like in season one, do we have anyone recorded out of the room? Don't forget Katie's growls. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Sammy. Uh, oh, yes. Sammy the so, dog. Yeah, Sammy who plays uh, Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, we recorded him upstairs. Right. In he the didn't rehearse room. with us. Yeah. Uh, but as far as human actors, I don't know that anyone was <laughs> Season two, in. we had some. Season two, we have a couple yeah. very minor characters dropped in. Yeah. Was Sarah um, in the room? Yeah, yeah, she came down. Yeah, yeah. So, Alder Neve, Sarah Amar lives what six hours away ish. Yep, in Chicago, and actually came down for it. Okay. So yeah, we did that. We did all of her parts for season one in one night with Sean, Um, and uh, but yeah, so that's kind of how we do that by getting everybody together and recording it roundtable style, and it does make the editing a lot trickier because you have you're constantly cutting different people's mics and there's mic bleed and you have to be very careful with everybody coordinating their page turns so that like if someone turns a little early, the other mics are going to pick it up and it's going to ruin a line. So there's a lot of little things that you have to do that make it trickier to do that kind of recording. But at the same time, I think we get much better performances that way. And it seems like from the performers and and you can weigh in on this, uh, that you're going to, that you're more comfortable being able to actually hear the person you're responding to and respond directly to them. In fact, not just hear them, but even look at them. I don't know. I talked to Fetch at some point. (laughs) (laughs) That bitch is never in the room. (laughs) Titchy. titchy. I really like, I enjoy the dynamic of having somebody to feed off of. And plus it also helped, I think with instant response a, a couple of times you were like, oh, I was going to say it this way, but that comes out wrong. Let's try a different way right right here, right now. It, the the problem with reading a, a, a script solo is you read it and you develop your the lines you're going to say based on what you think you're going to be fed from the other actors. But if they read their lines a different way and they feed it to you wrong, well... If you're not in the room with them, you can't adjust. It's a, but it's real easy. And just coming from a live theater background, I, I prefer uh, having the chaos in the room and, and developing on the fly. That's a good point, especially the live theater. Um, also, we all grow with in our relationships in real life as with our characters. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like uh, the relationship between... Nissa, Alfie, and Mac would not be as good as it is if I wasn't friends with Luna and Stephen. Mm-hmm. So it's important to have that that mm-hmm. uh, live action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would agree with that. And also, like um, for those uh, those listeners um, who you know don't get to look into our rehearsal rooms, <laughs> the other thing that Sean likes to do, and why I think he likes to rehearse live, uh, is that he will just like kind of roam around the table as the storyteller and then like just when everyone's kind of forgotten 
that he's there because they're in the midst of this scene. He'll like lean over their shoulder and say his line, you know, something about like how this is going to die right in Luna's ear. And every time she jumps and she's like, why are you doing that? And, but he, he just likes to do that to, and, and that obviously wouldn't be possible if, we, we weren't Maybe rehearsing. we shouldn't do that. <laughs> You're not rethinking the system. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Let's just change everything. But yeah, so we, we we kind of do all of that together and uh and try to have everything in the room and record it, you know, right there in, in that way to, to really capture those moments. And not just the actors. We've got generally we have the writers of the particular scripts to some degree, to most degree, right? They're in the room with us when we're rehearsing, mm -hmm. letting us know what they were thinking mm -hmm. when there's, you know, gray area in the line. And that helps tremendously. For the most part, we are able to do that. Yeah, because... Well, we're texting our writers. Hey, yeah. what did you mean That's by right. this? Right. That we do, we do that sometimes. Well, I mean, I write a lot of the episodes. Mm -hmm. Megan writes some. Uh, Steven Kallenberg, who plays Thomas, writes some. Um, and then uh, we... The, the other writers, we haven't necessarily been able to have always in the room. I don't... Carrie, did you ever come to any of the rehearsals? No. I'm oh, a bad, bad participant. You're not <laughs> a bad participant. Um, and then our other, our other writer who writes a lot of the episodes is Alexa Fisher. And she has come to a couple of the rehearsals, but she was always remote. She was working from another state. And now, um, as we're working, as we're still working on the show, is working from Japan. Mm -hmm. So where she now lives. So uh, it is. She's very remote. So she isn't coming to rehearsals. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, Man, you really can't live text her either because it's probably the middle of the night where she is. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. When, well, when we're rehearsing, it's actually like midday because we're rehearsing usually in the evenings. Oh. So it's like she's at work yep. the next day in the future because she she works from the future. So she's in the future and uh, at work. Did while we mention we're doing she's that. in the future? Or I'm trying to be clever. Uh, we'll push for Patreon. If we get more patrons, we can maybe get some flights out for Katie and Alexa. Yes, okay, yes. Uh, yes. Patreon goals. Um. You have to put another stretch goal on there. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of that system and how we how we put all of that together. Um, I know that you had Megan, you had brought something up that, that prompted that. No, I don't remember what it was, but it doesn't matter. I um, just talking about the process. Yeah, I don't mean just talking about the process, but at, at, at any rate, that's kind of how all of that fits together and how we how we work it. Um, so obviously, I'm biased to the way that we do it, but I do think that despite some of the extra headaches that you get that the performance, the benefit to the performances is worth trying to get everybody together if that's possible. And we're just very lucky to be in a city where we have a really vibrant arts community and we have a lot of super talented people that are willing to put the time into a project like this. And I mean, it's, it is a lot of time, especially like other shows have like nine episode seasons and we're dumb and do 22 <laughs> episode seasons. So we spend a lot of time ambitious. <laughs> putting it together. Uh, ambitious. Ambitious. Okay. That sounds a lot nicer than dumb. Uh. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, is there anything else anybody wanted to mention about episode one? Uh, just thank you to everyone who listened to season one and kept listening. Okay. Because yeah. like we said, yeah. Mac, for example, is bluff. It takes. It, yeah. You have to be driven to listen to everything. 
and just realize it's all there for a reason and it only makes the reveals that much better. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Everything mm -hmm. everything really is there for a reason. Mm -hmm. Even things that like we hear, we still hear, you know, the occasional feedback of, well, but this part isn't necessary or this is unnecessary. And it's like, trust me, we are in it for the mm -hmm. long, the long game. Like we are playing the long game. We have already written season two. Mm -hmm. So when someone says, when someone listens to the first couple episodes and they're like, I just don't know, you know, why you do this. It's like, okay, you might know it by the end of the season one. You might not even know, you might not know, even know it until the end of season two, but you will know or everything. Even season three. Yeah, that's true. Even maybe season three, everything, even weird choices that might seem odd has a reason for existing. Mm -hmm. Um, like we we use a narrator not because we think it's cool to just have, you know, spooky commentary, um, although that's fun. But we use a narrator because we can't do the action scenes that are coming later, these big fight scenes, without the narrator. Because just a bunch of clanging and grunting isn't going to sound right and it's going to be super boring uh, but with the narrator being able to pop in and, and give you bits of the action, it's really exciting. But you don't know that because the, the show for, you know, 11 episodes does not sound like it's going to ever have a fight scene in it. It's just not that kind of show. It's so blah. It's not. You're right. We're going to kill blah. people still. Right. Well, we'll kill people, but we're not going to have like sword okay. fights. And But we knew that, obviously. Yeah. So having a narrator be able to, you know, talk through the action was really important to us. Um, and, and a lot of other little little choices. So a lot of things are done for a reason that, you know, we just ne haven't necessarily revealed yet because, you know, that's out there. True. They're coming. The reasons are coming. Oh, the reasons are coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other favorite moments from... Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to say. Is everybody's favorite moments from episode one? Favorite part, moment, line? I have a favorite line. As opposed to your parents' deliberate plan of having you at 17. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Both? Yes. Did we say it twice. <laughs> I, no, I think the, the repetition of that is, is mm. what really drives it home. <laughs> I love when McKenna and Thomas are talking to each other and he's trying to convince her to call her friends to let them know. And then she's like, okay, I'll text them. And that just like cracks me up. And then he's like, no, 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 no. But that part that, okay, I'll text them was such a well-delivered line by McKenna. Do you have one? No, I, I love to be on the spot. I don't have any particular one. <laughs> In episode two, I do. Oh, okay. Well, okay, okay. No, no, it's actually episode, episode 14. Oh, okay. 14. Okay. Wait for it. <laughs> um, I have two. One is the mirror scene where Max mm. sees back mm. in the mirror. Um, our fearless leader, Christopher, doesn't like to be on the podcast ever and claims that he never is. But guess what? That sound is partially you, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe the, a little me. I'm not oh, sure if both. I'm in there. It is both of us. The scream that happens at the end. Because yes. my, I don't even know, it might have even been written in the script. But it was supposed to start really low and then go really high. And we could get, you get the high part really well. Like the, the, the height of your scream is piercing. 
Here's but. what it says. Scream that starts low and quiet and rises rapidly in pitch and volume. Yup. Yeah. So, but but when you were up. doing it, Dan was like, try to go lower, try to go lower. And Damn. you were doing the, as low as you can, yeah. but you weren't a soprano. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yes. And this was done, I believe, if I remember correctly, this was recorded after everyone else had gone home. Oh, absolutely. I'm pretty sure the well, only people still in the whole place were Megan and I and you and Dan. Yeah, and part of it was because I didn't want to scream before recording right. and ruin my voice. Right. Yeah. So it was the very last thing we did. Everybody else had gone home. Mm-hmm. No one else in the room could even do it. And then everyone looked at me and they were like, well, maybe you could start it low and go up as high as you can. And then Dan would like merge them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I kind of did that that grudge like yes. creaking, creaking yeah. voice. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. really cool. So yeah. I am in there. It sounded really good. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and he he went uncredited. He refused to to be credited for that. <laughs> That's a sound effect. That's not even an also starring. <sighs> I feel like it is. <laughs> we credit everyone. Come on. Come we, on. Sammy gets credit. Sa- Sammy gets credited in season two. Unfortunately, we didn't think to credit Sammy in season one. Yeah. Um, a tragic loss. Yeah. I know it really is. Sammy. <laughs> Sammy was great in season one as well. Well, well, when we get to that episode, we'll talk about Sammy's process. Exactly. It's a very good process. Um, Do you have a favorite moment? Um, Was that, did you do both? Did I say two? Okay, I did say two. Um, I I love when they're in the car and he says they were murdered. Just, and I said it before about how she's like, I just saw them last night, you liar. I, what is it? Hold on. Hold on, hold on. Give me a second. I just love... <laughs> Thomas goes, they're gone, Maqueda. Someone. They were killed. Max, like, killed. Like a car accident or something. Like, does not appear. <laughs> okay. So what? <laughs> and just like Sean said about how you got angry, kind of. I would be too. Can you imagine oh, no. being Thomas? And I, he just, like, is like... No, like murdered, you idiot. But he doesn't say you idiot. He's just, no. Oh, did you not understand? I'm sorry. Like, Thomas almost apologizes because he thinks Mac is just so in denial. She's not getting it. No, Mac just doesn't care. <laughs> I, I love it. It was, it was fun. Um, I would say that my favorite part is the first little bit of foreshadowing that there is a larger plan unfolding at the highest level of the story, which for me comes when the storyteller says that uh, if McKenna gets any more upset during this police interview, things are going to go badly. Mm -hmm. And miraculously right then Sam's phone rings and it's just a hint that there is something larger unfolding um, so I, I, I think that's that, that part's a lot of fun. Man, and if that's so subtle. If you mm-hmm. don't oh, catch yeah. it, you're it go right by. Yeah, it almost just seems so convenient. Um, yes. And maybe it is just convenient. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I do really like that. I was today years old when I learned oh. that that was a thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone, cool. Jordan Lopez, producer Please. and star of the show. Probably was told at some point. Forgot. Yes. <laughs> it is super subtle. Very, it's, very subtle. It's really subtle, yeah. Uh, um, so, Katie, do you have a favorite part? Yeah, I was just thinking through. I've scrolled through my script. Um, I really like the bit where they're driving back from the police station 
and then the fetch shows up in the car window. I like both ends of that. It's it's all done by the storyteller. I like both ends of that monologue. Like the bit a little bit about Thomas. I just find really poignant when he says, um, "You need to respect his ability to hold on to cultural enforcement of masculinity." That bit. I was like, Thomas. <laughs> 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 and that was the first time that I'd um, sort of defied the script and underscored something um, which I'd not been told to underscore. Um, and that was because I was like, oh, bless him. <laughs> he needs a bit of music. <laughs> uh, and then later on in the scene when it gets creepy as well, that's that's really cool. You know, it's just perfect sort of um, creepy fantasy stuff. You know, it's like, what's that? Is it even there? You know, I really love it. Yeah. Yeah, and if if people are like, yeah, but how is that possible? How could the fetch do that? Look, yet another thing that has a reason that we just haven't gotten to yet. Boom. But it's coming. <laughs> it really is. Yep. So uh, before we wrap this up, um, there's a place that a bunch of the fans are meeting on the web called... Discord. Discord, yes. So yeah, you can... Um, if you follow us on Twitter, at DWM Presents... We have links to our Discord where everyone can, fans can go and chat. We have very interesting and lively discussions on there. Uh, and a lot of the producers and stars are on there as well. So you can uh, you can chat with them. Um, yeah, we do, have, we do have a good Discord community. Yeah. And if you have more questions on episode one, definitely bring those questions there. Yes. And we'll be sure to answer them. There's an entire channel where you can mm-hmm. ask cast and crew yep. questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Bonus points if you come up with a, a themed name from the show. For oh, yeah, Username. Should yes. we say oh, our yes. theme name? Yeah, totally. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Mine's Bathroom Girl. And why is that? <laughs> um, that'll, that'll become a lot more apparent if you listen to our next uh, commentary episode or just the next episode of the show. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a theme name. Sorry. It's Lame. just your name. Yeah, yeah it's just Meg Burnside, I think. I think we should... Uh, Put it up for vote. What what uh, genre the next um, episode theme music should be? Appalachian <laughs> banjo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jordan's on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so close to quitting, Sean. <laughs> it's like so close. <laughs> What's your name? I am not on there, so feel free to get on there. Soon, though. Okay, you're on Soon. there. What are you? Uh, I'm Fack on the Discord. Yeah, not Mac. Fack. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm the Magister. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally, I go in character. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I did not play the Magister. Let's make that very clear. Katie, I'm just Katie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just Katie. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, like we said at the beginning, if you want to hear the entire series of commentary episodes, which we'll have for all the episodes of season one, um, you can find those on Patreon and uh, that's where you'll find us next. And season two is on its way. So you'll be seeing that at some point in the future. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. 
Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.